And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm down to dunk And I'm down to dunk I'm down to dunk This is J-Dub and I'm down to dunk I'm Shea Gilders Alexander and I'm down to dunk This is Lindy Waters and I'm down to dunk I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk this is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. We say this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, uh, hardly ever on a Tuesday, is my good friend, Michele Bear. Michele, what's up? Whoa, 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 whoa. Good friend? Mm-hmm. After what happened today, I'm I'm not sure. Like that's true. I, I'm not really sure. Our friendship he was on the line us? today, as uh, as you know, the U.S. completely dismantled Italy. I think they lost that game the other day on purpose so that they could have this side of the bracket because Serbia would have been a lot tougher, yeah, uh, opponent than Italy. So it actually worked out very well for the U.S. in that perspective. Yeah, I mean. Italy made, I think, a great run in this World Cup. Yeah. Um, they played really well uh, all the games besides this one and one in the tournament, which mm-hmm. I don't recall the opponent, but it was like, uh, was it Puerto Rico? Maybe. Mm, I don't remember. I'm, like I'm, I'm like, obviously, mostly just locked into what the Thunder guys are doing. Yeah, me too. I watched more Canada than Italy, which said, says a lot yeah. um but tonight they they had to in order to have a chance they had to take a lot of trees and make a lot of trees yeah. they made 18 yeah. percent, and they played for i think 12 minutes mm-hmm. and that, that was it mm-hmm. like after a while uh the first level of defense was just not there uh it was not enough physicality and then i mean they have a player who had a terrible workup which is Achille Polonaro, who is was awful, just terrible. <laughs> and when we started the game, like five offensive rebounds in the first five minutes of the game. Um, and then, I mean, U.S. just started to play well, to just play physical basketball. And mm-hmm. and to be honest with you, there is nobody in Italy that can keep Anthony Edwards in front of him one-on-one, nor Mikael Bridges. And so and yeah. when, when you have guys hitting trees, it's just, it's just a no-go. Um, again, they decided not to play and to be dismantled, which is something that can happen, um, especially when you feel like a little bit satisfied for what you did and just powerless, powerless mm-hmm. against a team like the US, which mm-hmm. again, they should beat Italy by 37 points. Yeah, and they did. Yeah, they were yeah. good. Uh, Bridges was really good today. Halliburton was awesome. Yeah. Off the bench for them, uh, off, off day for Edwards, but it didn't really matter. You know, he's one of six, three points on the day, and it just didn't even matter. 
you know, like that's just, yeah. that's just the, uh, the ability that the U S has is that they can just pummel people with guys taking turns. You know, they don't need necessarily need consistency, but you know, it's been interesting that they haven't really had a consistent scoring threat from somebody. Like it's always mm-hmm. like somebody else kind of popping off. Like Paolo had a big game and, and mm-hmm. Edwards has had a big game and Jalen Brunson has had a big game and Bridges had a big game today. And, you know, it'll be interesting when they play. I hope that we get to see the U S and Canada in the finals because mm-hmm. the way the bracket is, that's, that'd be the only way that they would meet is in the finals. Um, and it's possible. I mean, it's certainly possible. The U.S. will play the winner of Germany, Latvia. Mm-hmm. That's tomorrow. They and should demolish both of those teams. They should. Germany has played well. You have to give them yeah. credit. But that's not the greatest team. No. No, and again, you said that, um, I mean, it's fine to take turns for the U.S., but I, I felt that against Italy. They really were able to just open the box and create very good shots. Yeah. Um, you have to hit them, which mm-hmm. is something that today they did really well. Uh, on other nights, no. Yep. And they are prone to leave opponents open for trees. Mm-hmm. They open. They, they are prone to make a mess defensively sometimes. Yep. But if they are able to stick with good offensive principles, I think that they have a lot, a lot to, to in, in their arsenal. And I... Again, it, everything can happen. I mean, Italy can go instead of 7 for 38, like 28 for 38. And yep. this is actually a win for Italy. But, I mean, you have to, you need to have something like that in order for it to be, by the way, it's, yeah, it's that is true. Uh, it would be a, a win for Italy. But again, uh, it's something that it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if they if they play a normal game defensively, I, I think that they have, they've shown that they, they can be, very, very good. Also in creating efficient offense. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the uh, Lithuania lost to Serbia 87-68 this morning to they move on to the uh, semifinals. And then Canada-Slovenia is tomorrow, which is yeah. uh, Shea versus Luca, which is very fun. Joe Masada wrote a story about it in the Oklahoma today. You should go check it out. Uh but it's uh, going to be a very interesting matchup that I think it's at 7.30 Central Standard Time tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So it's it's one that Thunder fans can, uh, can watch. Just pop up and throw some FIBA basketball on. If you are having trouble finding a way to watch it, I can hit you with a promo code or not a promo. Yeah, a promo code to get you like 10% off on this. It's called Courtside. And I can yeah, eighteen ninety one. Yep. And so, yeah. if you ha- are having trouble finding a way to watch it, uh, just hit me up on Twitter, and I will uh, give you guys a promo code for ten percent off for that. So it's man, I can't wait for it. A lot of reason I can't wait for it is just the way that Shea played against Spain, where it felt like they might be cooked. Yeah. With, with about four minutes left in the game. Uh, Billy Hernan Gomez stretched the lead out to seven, 78, 71. And you just thought, man, like it's obviously not like an insurmountable lead, but in FIBA, like that amount is a lot, feels a lot bigger than it does in the NBA, especially with Canada who are just not going to hit threes, you know, yeah. at a high level. And then Shea just took over. 
he was basically a part of every single possession down the stretch that ended up positively. Um, you know, that next possession, he assisted his cousin, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, on a three. Yeah, he, that corner three was beautiful and, and so important. Yes. Like, it was the start of, hey, they have a chance. They're down, but they have a chance. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And then Shea makes a layup to make it from 74-78 to 76-78. And then Shea draws a foul, makes a free throw, 77-78. Um, uh, Dort actually comes in for RJ Barrett during that time to end the game where they have Dort and Dylan Brooks out there to just kind of hound really Abrinas and Abrinas who was awesome who like nearly won this yeah. game <laughs> for Spain uh, it was kind of it was kind of weird watching Abrinas versus Dort because yeah. that's who they had on him it was like this weird like thunder parallel universe happening like those guys were never on the same team, but you know they were pretty close to being on the same team, and mm-hmm. it's just it was just kind of interesting seeing those guys out on the court together. But Shea hits and Dylan Brooks. The, the, oh. the allure for Abrinas being an NBA player. Like, oh my gosh, dude! Yeah, He's, yeah, yeah, he should be an NBA player. Like he really should be. Um, That's a bummer. It really is. It really stinks. Uh, Hernan Gomez hits another. Hits a couple free throws. 80 to 77. Dylan Brooks hits a big time three. Again, assisted by Shea. And then yeah. Shea just delivers down the stretch here. He hits a step back two. And then he basically he gets a steal um from Juan Nunez. Or Juan Nunez yes. actually fouls him, but then um Shea gets a steal and then just basically just sinks free throws, ices this game. His free throws look I mean, obviously they were ridiculous last year. Shot ninety percent from the line, but it just every time he shot it, it looked like there was just no chance the ball was not going to go in. Every yeah. time he shot a free throw, I mean, he absolutely took this game over. He was either assisting or scoring the points every single time down the stretch, aside from a Dylan Brooks turnover to get to like deliver this win for Canada, and still a Brinus. It was eighty-five, eighty-eight. I thought, oh my gosh, this might go to overtime because that, when that yeah. ball's in the air, you think it's, it looks it close. Looks really good. <laughs> it looked really good. I thought Abrinas yeah. was going to make that shot and uh, didn't go in at front rimmed, didn't go in, and Canada moves on uh, not only in the turn to the tournament round, but also qualifies for the Olympics for the first time since the year 2000, which is a really, yeah. really big deal for Canadian basketball. So, big shouts to Shea and Dort, Dylan Brooks, R.J. Barrett, Olenek. All those guys have put in a ton of work to get this team where it is. And, like, yeah, this is that the strongest team Spain ever? Like, definitely not. No. You know. But they played well. They played feisty. They played, I, would, I want to use the word dirty, even if it's not really. It sure. was just, hey. We need to to give everything we have, uh, and Rudy and Claver, they are the guys to play that way. I mean, yep. Spain used to play like that, even if they they had like the two Gasol brothers, and mm-hmm. um, so it's. So it's Adama amazing. was really good off the bench for them. Yeah, you know he shot the yeah. ball well. Hernan Gomez is just like a beast in FIBA. Yeah, it was apparent that, that this was the first game where Olenek really struggled yeah. for Canada. Like it was like, yeah, we, we can't play him. Um, 
But apart from that, I mean, Dylan Brooks had a great game. I mean, he played, he played really well. Where, yeah. Where I say, okay, this is why some nights you need to have Dylan on your team. Yeah. Uh, and plus 13, he, uh, like a game high plus 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was apparent that, that he was changing the soft of the game when mm-hmm. he was out there. Um, Little Dot had a bad game offensively. Defensively, I, th- I thought it was okay. And mm-hmm. it was good for him to be there in closing minutes. But boy, oh boy, Shay, that, that step back jumper on Claveret was Goodness. amazing. Um, yeah, 34, I mean, 34 boards, seven assists, only one turnover, seven of 12 from the field. For 30 points. This is like classic Shea. 12, 30 points on 12 shots. 14 of 16 from the free throw line. 2 of 3 from 3. I mean, he was he was the man in this one. And they needed it because they had wet yeah. the bed in the previous game. And again, that they should not have lost. Yeah. They did. They lost to Brazil in a really kind of embarrassing fashion. And so, mm-hmm. similar to the U.S., you know, they, they didn't bounce back quite you know, as high as the U.S. did, but also like Spain's a tougher team, yeah. And yeah, the U.S. and Canada and Canada Canada doesn't have as many options to go to either, yeah. As the U.S. does, they um, really need to play well. Like everyone, like Shades, he's not enough. He can do when when you have a game on the line, he can be the guy who puts it over the line. But mm-hmm. the tree from his cousin was. As important as a step back three. It's big. He only um, took two shots in that game too. It's not Walker yeah. Alexander Walker wasn't playing a huge role, but yeah, that moment was big time. And he was good in defense. I mean, yeah. uh, Nikhil was very good defensively. Um, again, Shea. I mean, I I kind of want him to be a little bit more assertive during mm-hmm. the game mm-hmm. um, because it, it can be just the last ten minutes. Um, there were moments yeah. where. I mean, he played a ton. Yeah. Uh, like, especially for long stretches, where moments like wait, he's playing 13, 14 consecutive minutes. That's they, I mean, they couldn't, take, they couldn't take him out of the game, though. Yeah. Like, they would they would have yeah. drowned. You know, nobody yeah. else had to play, like, carry the load that he did 36 minutes, almost yeah. 37 minutes. Yeah, like, but he, also, like, without breathers. Like, there were moments where, it, oh, boy, he's not, he's not going out. Yeah. So, from this point of view, you can say, okay, he has to take minutes off, possessions mm-hmm. off. But also, like, there are moments where, why are you giving the ball at the top of the key to Ludort or Brooks to create? Yeah. This is not something that you should do. Like, you, you, you need to be the man. Yeah. Um, but also, you can say, okay, but he's, he's trying to make everyone else part of it because he yeah. knows that he can't win without them. Mm. So it's a little balance. The fact that he was able to pull it out at the end and just take over the game was just sensational. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's just great to see him playing that way. Yeah. I mean, he took as many shots as RJ did and the same amount of shots that Dylan Brooks did, you know. Yeah. He should probably take but more you, shots than those dudes. Yeah. If you take the number of possessions, like he took 21 offensive possessions, and he made he scored like thirty points. That is insane efficiency. <laughs> yeah. It's one point four two something like that. Yeah, it's unfair. It's it's unfair. It's so good. Yeah. Um, a bit of news that doesn't really directly affect the Thunder, but maybe directly affects McKellie's heart is uh, Trey Murphy. Is is reported that he has a torn meniscus. No. Oh. Um, 
that he injured today okay. in practice from Woj. Uh, he said he su- that, well, maybe it's not torn. I won't say it's torn. But it's, this definitely indicates something not good if yeah. this info is fed to Woj, that New Orleans Pelicans guard, guard? Trey Murphy III suffered a meniscus injury to his left knee during a workout today and will undergo further testing. It is immediately unclear whether he will require surgery. So it's, you know, here's the thing. is like there's a lot of injuries that happen during the offseason that we just never find out about. Yeah. Unless they're very serious. Or so, they are very close to camp, and so everyone will just know mm-hmm. this is not playing. Mm-hmm. And I think that if it's um, surgical, I guess that it's four Still, months at least. Yeah, probably that, if not longer. And the yeah, thing is, is, like, if it is... also break. Yeah, if it is basically. torn, then... You do. He's young enough to where you want to repair it, you know. Yeah, because there. I mean, obviously, I mean, I think a lot of people know that you can remove it totally, and like he could be back by training camp probably, but also that takes away longevity from your yeah. knee overall. So, I think the it's. I mean, injuries have always been something that have bit New Orleans, and it's usually Zion. Or it's usually BI, yeah. but to have Trey, Trey Murphy, who is going to be, and still maybe could be a huge part of what they're going to do this season, I mean, that's a big bummer. And a really good guy, really funny guy, uh, extremely talented, is poised for some kind of breakout, and now he's gone. But also, that is a team that is going to be um, competing with the Thunder for playoff positioning. Yeah, it's so, right on for OKC. I'm not sure how many wins he's worth for the Pelicans, but I mean, he's a surely a positive contributor. And if you look at some metrics, probably three, four, five wins. Maybe maybe that is too much. Maybe two, three, something yeah. like that. Well, just thinking about who his replacement is going to be, it could be a lot. I mean, they're both projected. They're both given the over under 44 and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Who's his, who replaces him in the lineup is the question to me, more so than like his immediate value because I think it's like a blend of both. So like who replaces mm-hmm. him and then what does he bring to the table? And you look at their depth chart right now, you know, obviously a lot more is going to have to go on Brandon Ingram. Mm-hmm. Um, Dyson Daniels is going to have to yeah. step up. Maybe Herb Jones yeah. steps up, you know, a little bit more, but, you know, we're talking about Herb Jones, like that. He and Dyson Daniels, neither of them are talented shooters or scorers, really. You know, they're yeah. both more defensive specialists, and so they don't exactly have a replacement just for spacing wise. Because you look at everybody else and who they are across the board, they just don't have a ton of shooting on their roster that's yeah. viable from last year. You know, Trey, 40% on six attempts. CJ McCollum shot it well. Um, After that, Jose Alvarado can make threes, but he was 33% last year. Herb Jones, 33%. Yeah. Dyson Daniels, 31%. I mean... And it's one thing if you replace some of the CJ minutes with with Jose and you, you keep the minutes together at, say, 10... But if you need spacing and if you play 20 minutes, CJ and, and Jose Alvarado together, I'm not sure how sustainable your defense is. 
so it's interesting. I mean, definitely Dyson Daniels will have more minutes, more development opportunities, which may turn out in the long run better yeah, uh, for true. the Pelicans. But in the short term, it may be that they they win a little bit less because of that. And of course, if Zion is there, then it's mitigated. But if you start losing half a season of, of uh, Trey Murphy, then... 30 games of Zion, then it's it start to be a bit difficult for them, for sure. Yeah, the floor spacing he provides, like the legitimate floor spacing is going to be missed. Yeah. Because there's not really anybody else that spaces the floor. And how do you guard Zion? Like, if you have a healthy Zion, you're still going to be in really good shape. But how do you guard Zion? Is you pack the paint. You pack the paint, yeah. And you, you, send, send, you send doubles. And whenever there's somebody in the corner that you absolutely cannot leave... You can't do that effectively. Yeah. And so it yeah. gives you just like a couple, just like just the window that you need to get that shot off. But if it's Dyson Daniels in the corner, you take your chances. You just let Dyson shoot it, man. Yeah. You let him shoot it. So, I mean, that's it's a big deal for them if he can't go. And we obviously don't know. This is a lot of speculation at this point. But also, like, if Woj knows something, I would be surprised if it's not a big deal. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully he gets well soon. But yeah, that's that's a pretty big one for New Orleans if he can't go uh, to start the season. Uh, in other news, the if you didn't know, like the inside of the Paycom Arena is like getting a facelift. There's new seats hmm. in the arena over the entire in the entire arena. If you've been to a game, you know that there has never been cup holders. In these seats, there's some cup holders now, so it's pretty cool. Pretty it's cool. Um, and there's a brand new jumbotron, and it's uh, it's huge and it's great. And I know people are like, well, why aren't we getting a new arena? Yeah, we're getting a new arena, but this was always part of the plan is to redo the seats and bring in a new jumbotron. It doesn't mean anything for the future of the arena just so that that's clear but you know is there a tentative timeline for the new arena i mean it hasn't been voted on yet so there's not my guess that it gets voted on and yeah yeah. the project is approved before 2030 i believe is the goal yeah which makes perfect sense to do a renovation if you have to still survive five years yeah yeah um with this structure so it's yeah well, the old Jumbotron 2 was there were like parts of it that were going out that yeah. were uh, extremely visible <laughs> to, to everybody there. Um, it, it was it needed to happen. I'm sure that by the end of the last season that the, uh, the game ops people are just like, come on, new Jumbotron. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, uh, seats are new, lots of different, lots of newness surrounding the arena so uh pretty cool uh there is a video from peyton may um at peyton in may from fox 25 got a video of it so that's on twitter i think i retweeted her yes i did so go check that out pretty sweet and uh something for people that will be attending games this season um, Michele, let's take a quick break. We come back. Let's talk a little bit about Josh Giddy 
and the uh, the boomers exit from FIBA, we will be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And we're back after that quick break. McKellie, the, the Boomers are done with the FIBA tournament. They... uh. I mean, pretty disappointing that they didn't make it to the the knockout rounds. I think if you look like talent for talent, like they have a really good team, and really it kind of came down to the fact that like they just couldn't rebound down the stretch. They just needed like one big man, you know, and Jacques Landell would have really helped them, and like probably could have gotten them to the knockout rounds, but uh, they did not get there. However, Josh Giddy was still awesome in this tournament and showcased quite a bit in as kind of the leader of this team, even though he doesn't like necessarily profile. Like a lot of the guys that are leaders of their teams in FIBA are like these like just scorers. 
with the ball mm-hmm. in their hands. It's not like Josh doesn't do that. He do, he obviously did that a lot for them. But he's somebody that if you if they just had like one or two shooters out there, yeah. it would have helped so so much. And they just didn't. They just didn't play any shooters next to him. They played with him with like a lot of like utility guys that are mostly defenders. And um, yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, it's a problem. And one question to you: mm-hmm. Don't you feel that the minutes that he played were like kind of low? Like I felt that in their last game. Yeah, he averaged twenty-seven minutes per game. Um, Just not not enough. Like starters and FIBA. Like from my from my recollection, again, it's it's a couple of years that I'm not watching intensely. Feeble mm-hmm. basketball, um, but like in regular professional leagues, good players average more than thirty. Yeah, maybe thirty-one, thirty-two, not like thirty-six, thirty-seven. Like yeah, in the NBA, and I get it. When you are in a national team, you probably don't play as much. But we just said that Shea, in a very meaningful game, played thirty-six minutes. Yeah, and again, I'm I'm not advocating Josh at 20 years old or 21, however, whatever he is, uh, should have played 36 minutes because I think that one of his biggest issue is hey, he has to, he needs to have stamina to play those kind of minutes. But 32 in that game, I mean, mm-hmm. come on, like you can play him, and I felt that whenever he was off, there was no flow of the game yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Well. And I don't want to be too critical of their coaching staff, but I also mm-hmm. want to be pretty critical of their coaching staff. It just didn't seem like there was a lot of cohesiveness with that roster. It just felt like down the stretch, especially when it was like, oh my gosh, we need a bucket, that it was there was really nothing drawn up for them. Mm-hmm. And that it was really just like, all right, if this is going to work, it's going to work because you guys are going to go do it. Like, go do it. Do it. You know, it was kind of yeah. the way it seemed. And... Sometimes they could do it. Sometimes they couldn't do it. Yeah, there were like there were moments in, in these FIBA basketball games where you just see coaches. I I watched Italy against I think I don't remember uh, which kind of which team it was. Well, um, and this coach they were down, and he used the entire timeout to draw a very very complicated. <laughs> scheme mm-hmm. which was basically a pick and roll with a with a pick and pop option so nothing really but it made it sound very 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 difficult like three minutes it was clear that after five ten seconds all the players were check out on on, on, a, on the explanation they just took the ball and took the first three available just jacket three which makes you feel like Okay, NBA coaches are on a very different level, like a completely different planet from these guys, from many of, uh, of these guys. Um, but yeah, I had uh, a similar feeling for the Australia mm-hmm. uh, coaching staff. Yeah, and I mean, some of it is that they they don't have cohesion. You know, they don't mm-hmm. have you know a lot of time together to figure this out, and so it just kind of is what it is but you wish that Australia could have made it through to the knockout rounds because they certainly have the talent to do it. Mm-hmm. And I would expect in the future with like a 23-year-old Josh Giddy, you know, or 25-year-old Josh Giddy, that things would be quite a bit different um, for, for, the, for that team in particular. So 
Um, yeah, and, and and I think that James Anderson in chat has a point um, that he was kind of it was not good uh, at all times for Josh defensively to be extremely supportive of him. There were yeah. like bad moments, uh, and, and and again, I mean, I think that this is part of the deal with Josh. He's very young, mm-hmm. but when you don't have a, really an option to create any offense, I think that you can sustain uh, on defense some of his miscues and and like blackout moments yeah the, the the most important thing though is that we are talking about the guy that still led his team very well at the age of 20 yeah. um like yeah, the leader wild. of the team yeah. and it was clear like he was the guy and he was the best player of australia by far yeah he was and, and this is very important i mean this is exactly what i hoped I mean, of course, you hope for him to be there in, in instead of I don't know Latvia or even if I'm always being a Bertanks guy. Um, thanks to him, France is not there, so <laughs> great. Um, or or some other team, but but they had I would say a pretty successful uh, World Cup anyway, especially yeah. for Josh. I mean, they will be better in the future. They had a, they have a lot of young guys that are brewing. So mm-hmm. I guess they will be better in the future. But you're right. I mean, the fact that there was absolutely no vertical spacing for them. Yeah. And that they, they played very terrible big men. I mean, the southern one was just like, just no. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would prefer to play Joe Ingles. Yeah, definitely would prefer to play Joe Ingles um, yeah. over those guys. But still average almost 20 points per game. And a lot of it on drives. He didn't take a lot of threes, which is fine. Um, yeah. I think he only averaged four rebounds per game. Some of that is that they just didn't have anybody to even like box out <laughs> or like anybody to even create space to get boards. And there was a lot on Josh's plate um, yeah. as an offensive player and as a defensive player, too. He wasn't, he had, and we talked about this last week, but there, he had moments where he was good defensively and he did some stuff like there was a possession toward the end of the game um, where he stole the ball from Luka Doncic, you know, as yeah. Luka's trying to bring up the ball and he took it to the other end for a dunk. And like, there were some cool moments like that. There were some cool, like off, even off ball moments where he looked pretty good, but there's still a ways to go. And as far as like the shot looking a whole lot better, it looks about the same to me. And me too. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be something that takes years, not days to get better. And it's going to be like a, it's a process. I mean, he was kind of billed as somebody who was going to be like a non shooter in the NBA. And he's not, he's not a non shooter. He's definitely improved a lot, but it's still going to take some time to get him there. And he knows that he's voiced that. I think the thunder understand that. And, um, but he's improving in other ways too. Like I think just overall control. I think you can see his strength helping oh, yeah. him get to the paint a lot better. He's he's a much better driver to the hoop than he was because in FIBA it's so it's a lot more physical in the paint and a lot more it's a lot harder to navigate um, as a ball handler in FIBA, yeah. and he improved a lot in that area. Yeah. And so he deserves a lot of credit for those things because I just don't think, um, I just don't think he was anywhere close to that, you know, at the beginning of last year. So I think this is a, a really nice springboard for him. 
I completely agree with that. Um, I want to see how that strength translates because it's one thing to put your shoulder onto Toby, Toby's chest and move him around. <laughs> then do That's it against true. just That's a guy fair. like Herb Jones. That's fair. Yep. No, I mean, I, I'm not saying like Embiid or whoever, yeah. but just like yeah, a yeah, very yeah. good defender, even yeah. even against Dort. Can sure. you put? It, I I think I think that he's stronger, and you can see that, mm -hmm. which is exactly what we need. I think that another crucial point of his shooting improvement is the fact that the free throws looks much better. Yeah, much much better. Yeah, and I mean, clearly, if Josh Giddey becomes a 37% standstill shooter, which is still not a guy that you really gravitate on, you you can just you can't cheat on him because the the motion is quite slow uh, for like a like a shooter. Um, it's okay for a normal player, um, but if he's able to generate free throws and to hit them, then you can sustain a guy that is just able to hit standstill trees. Mm -hmm. You really can, especially if you have guys like Chet, guys like, guys like Shea and Jadab. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you have a guy that is able to create offense with the ball in his hands and is able to generate free throws and making them, it makes for a guy that you can have on the court at all times. Yeah. yeah, the defense will probably cheat on him, but if you leave like three feet to to Giddy, he's able to create something. Mm -hmm. Especially if the team is, knows that they have to be in motion in order yep. for for Josh to be successful. Definitely. And they and that he has other avenues. He can take two steps and just eat the floater. I mean, the three is clearly important. I'm not saying that it's not important, but it's not conducive for him to be a good player. Mm -hmm. Can he be an All NBA kind of guy without the three? I would say probably not. But but it's not impossible. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. It's hard. Like if he has, if he becomes like a. A Shea like shooter, mm -hmm. he will be an all NBA guy, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. which, like, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, okay, so he doesn't need him to be an all, an all NBA guy. Would it be great? Sure. <laughs> oh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no to it, you know. No, me neither. I'm, I'm saying, I'm just joking. Is this, is this the only outcome for, for Josh? No, like, he's a, no, I think the, draft, and it, it's yeah. already like great what he's doing right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the most likely outcome is that he is basically just like one of the best like high level role players in the NBA. Mm -hmm. Like that's probably the most likely outcome. But also he's like good. he's underrated as a scorer. He shot sixty one point seven percent on twos in the tournament with no spacing. Yeah, you know, like that's better than uh, Billy Hernan Gomez, fifty nine percent. It's better than Shea. Yeah. 60%. You know, he he was really, really good in the tournament and deserves, like, a lot of credit for doing what he did at that age. And, again, if he just had some shooting, I think that it would have made a huge difference. If you just put, like, two shooters out there with him, it would yeah. have made all the difference in the world. If Bertans was somehow, you know, Australian. You know? Hey, Bertans will... Should we it's talk about weird. Bertans? A little bit, yeah. I mean, let's do it. He shares some of the issues that Josh has, like the fact that he can be a real sieve. I mean, yeah. I was so excited when he hit that three against Spain. Then, like three seconds later, just completely blanked on a on a closeout and let Abrines wide open for a three. Yeah. Um, so this will happen with Bertans. Yeah, but if you play 
a certain way where he kind of screws up only only like one possession out of three yeah <laughs> something like that hey. where you can where you put him in the situation where it cannot be like too harmful for the majority of the possessions and you protect him a little bit which is something that in regular season you can absolutely do mm-hmm. that guy will create space and will yeah. hit trees mm-hmm. and if you have a guy that is in rhythm and it's not at the end of the bench and he's happy where he is and he's trying to rejuvenating his career and he has something to prove I mean, maybe you get a fine year out of him. Yeah. I mean, it's it, on those nights where you, you had Lindy Waters out there. I, I love Lindy and, and he's a great story. But Bertans has a completely different level of gravity. I mm-hmm. mean, if you have Bertans in the corner, the guy will be there. I have all his eyes always on him. And if you have playmakers like Josh and like Shay, I mean, they like Mitzich, yep. they will hit him. Yep. <laughs> they will hit him for sure. For those threes and if he can hit like 40 percent of his corner threes which is for returns a very low bar yep that is that is huge the thing he's is tall he's really tall and the thing that i think will make one of the biggest differences is how deep he likes to shoot because he likes yeah. to shoot almost like half court like yeah. he is shooting such deep threes and if teams feel like they need to at least pay attention to him and he can space out two or three feet beyond where people normally space to that in itself is a game changer if he's do you remember eric gordon and ryan anderson doing that for harden yes they would space out so far yeah so so far where and they would hit them is the thing like bertans will just bomb from so far away it's it is almost comical at times to me how far away he's willing to shoot it. But if that's that a first year in Washington was insane. Oh, it was just hitting like just and he does that. He has this seasons where it's just come on, dude. Yep. Where are you? Mm-hmm. Who are you? And then those years where it's just oh, okay, he's hitting those. So, I mean, you can get like a zero year for Bertans and it doesn't really matter for a KC. Mm-hmm. But if they get something in between that year that, that year in Washington, which was bonkers, and his normal years, I mean, that is a great get. And it, and it, the beauty of it is that he can play 15 minutes, 12 minutes, and he will be completely fine. He will just bomb eight trees in 12 minutes. Yep. And he can like break game apart. He's that guy. And yep. when, you, like, when you have like multiple shooters... To try out in games, like hey, try as Oh no, not your day. Just try Bertans. Okay, that yep. is Davis's game. Try Lindy. Try Bertans. You know, like there, yeah. there's going to be games like regular season games in January, where like maybe somebody's injured or just guys are just wiped out, and it's like, hey, let's just let Bertans bomb twelve threes in this game and just see where if it takes us anywhere. In this quarter. Yeah, in this quarter. <laughs> He'll tell, that's the thing about him is like he really believes that he I mean he's he probably have an interview similar to like Carl Anthony Towns where he's like yeah I'm the best you know tall shooter ever you know he yeah. he shoots with that kind of belief and he'll shoot off movement and he's not just like somebody who spots up like he'll he'll yeah. shoot off movement some he'll run around but he spaces way out and always has you know likes to space you know two or three feet behind the three point line and you know there's nights where he just gets really hot and yeah. he'll help some. And there will be weeks where he just won't play at all. 
you know, both will be true for yeah. him. But the, the beauty of having guys like that is that on a normal light, you can, you can just start your starting unit with Dort, to be clear. I'm not hating. I'm not hating. Like, it's just blue Dort. And then you start with your, like, sub of the bench. And at some point, you can have, like, a unit where you have Mitzich, you have Isaiah Joe, you have J-Dub, you have Bertans, and you have Chet. Mm -hmm. Those kind of lineups, I mean, it's not crazy talented on defense. But this is a lineup where if they find chemistry, it's very easy to see lineups like that just being helpful, productive. Like you can have maybe uh, not Isaiah Joe and Kenrich Williams to give a little bit more boost on defense. That lineup will have very intelligent players at all at all spots, mm -hmm. good shooters. Like and again, if the chemistry hits for lineups like that, even if you don't have Shea, you don't have uh, Giddy, it's easy to see them finding good shots because the floor will be so wide open yeah. because of guys like Bertans that, uh, again, you can you can really slow down the development of guys like Usman, Usman Jang and take time to really hone their skills. Because like on nights like this, you can have Bertans taking 10 minutes and the burden on a guy like Jang becomes a little bit less and maybe he, re he responds better in situations where he knows that he can screw up and the team can steal one big minutes because they, they they have like a lot of good players on the roster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that is true. I think that there's, there's just really interesting depth on this Thunder team this year that I'm really excited to watch. And... You know, I think Bertans is some of the people just don't talk about, and that's like fine. Like, I don't, I don't think there should be like some big hype around Davis Bertans <laughs> going into this season, but he is going to be an interesting piece. I just think about the end of last season, and maybe Bertans wouldn't have played in the playing games anyways. But like, they're playing a two-way guy, like significant minutes yeah. in yeah. these games, and some of it is that just like some of the younger guys weren't ready to contribute, and that's okay. But there's going to be players. I think Mitzich is going to play. I think Kaysen Wallace is going to is going to play minutes. And I think because of what he can do defensively, might you know, knock other guys out of the rotation. You know, I think that's going to happen. And we don't know exactly who's making the roster yet, but we'll find out soon. I mean, we're less than a month away from media day. And you know, that trade that happened with favors and Teo and all those guys happened pretty close to after training camp started. And so, mm -hmm. you know, decisions will get made, you know, within the next month or so. And we'll have preseason basketball in Tulsa. And we'll have um, real basketball soon. So, I mean, it's, it's really exciting. And, but I mean, the amount of like role players that they've added that I think can play real minutes this season, you know, like I said, Kaysen and Mitzich are like at the top of the list there as guys yeah. that I think are going to like really eat minutes. Like Chet Holmgren, obviously, is somebody else. Like those three, I don't think we quite realize how much those three are going to change the way that rotations look in this next season. Bertans will at times, but I do think that Kaysen, Mitzich, and Chet are going to be like, oh, like this this really is like a different team. Yeah. You know. Again, for for guys like Bertans, I can see a path 
like the one that Isaiah Joe had. Mm-hmm. So I can, I can, it is possible to me that he starts out, doesn't play for the first three, four games, then goes on and he hits casually four out of eight from three and say, oh, nice. And then he maybe gains like another game and he like, okay, a five out of nine. Oh, nice. And then he starts to be a guy that earns a spot where you, you can't just let him out because he's too good. Mm-hmm. Like Isaiah Joe. Mm-hmm. That can happen. Now, would I bet on that? No. To me, the likeliest outcome is Bertans has very terrible games, good games. He plays roughly 50. And at some point, either they finish the season like that or he they move on. Mm-hmm. I'm saying 50 games for the entire season, no matter for which team. That is the likeliest outcome, which is still okay for OKC. Yep. But there is like an opportunity. I, I think that OKC has proved that they will give him opportunity. And if he's ready for those opportunities and he proves that, hey, I can be a guy for which you, you play you play me 80 games and you pay me mm-hmm. for next year because I'm actually very good. Don't count on that, Michele. Don't count don't on count. that, Michele. I don't count. But even I, if he's good, think, even if he's good, yeah, I would... I mean, uh, they will play him 72 yeah. <laughs> or 71, whatever, uh, and then decide to on, on which deal they can bring him in uh, afterwards. But anyway, yeah. my point is, I think that if there is a team that can actually give Bertans a real chance to say, okay, you're here mm-hmm. and you can provide value here, I think that OKC will, will give themselves that opportunity because mm-hmm. you never know. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, it's exactly like for Isaiah Joe. I mean, it was almost random but okc found something and they deployed that something into real value for yeah. the team yeah yeah it's interesting yeah there's this season is going to be outrageously fun i think and something that i'll keep hammering this away it's like just like try to enjoy it too because we're going to we're going to have everything that you could ever want fun young players a team that still has the potential that's above their head, not uh, no high expectations for what you're supposed to do, and also potential lottery picks coming, yeah. even if it's not your own pick. So, which is insane. It's all of that wrapped up into one, where like just like try to enjoy the the process of this season because I think, I think a lot of people would say that like 2010. It was like one of the most fun years of Thunder basketball because they like exceeded expectations. All this great stuff was going on. Like this has a chance to be better than that, honestly. Um, so just like prepare yourself to soak in just a, a wonderfully fun season with brand new seats and a brand new Jumbotron in Oklahoma City with just one of the most fun young teams in the league and potentially a top 10 pick in the draft which we're going to cover extensively, probably starting very soon. Um, just because... Oh, I yeah. Huh? We need to go sophomore. I know. I know, yeah. So we, we, we need to start now, like I mean, in two hours. Yeah, I mean, we could have, we could have you know, more... Um, you know, we J-Dub's brother is in this draft and yeah. could be in the range. Like, how much fun would that be to have the, the two brothers? In Oklahoma and City, something that we also need to be... I mean, I, I listened to Jokic's interview, exit interview, um, where he said, but just, just basically told the story of the up and down run that Denver had for the past few years and the fact that they learned through failures. And I think that the last game of the season last year was very important to everyone yeah. that yeah. 
they weren't ready. And maybe mm. next year it will end this way, the same way. Not sure where, maybe in the first round, maybe again in the plan. But it's important that you can also appreciate how the team is sticking together moment after moment. And I think that the end of last season where they, they hit that run where they couldn't get anything and they somehow put it together, went to the plane and played a great game against the Pelicans, yep. played an against Minnesota, which was more ready. It happens. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Like witnessing those kind of moments, those building moments, it's also what next season will be about. Like trying to see if Shea, Chad, J-Dub and Giddy are really a core that meshes together and push through a season with like unity. Uh, and, and this is also, I think, the, the beauty of next season. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's a great way to put it. Um, I have created a survey, me and my, my good buddy Mike Smeltz at The Athletic created a survey um, for The Athletic NBA Show. So if, you, if you've ever listened to The Athletic NBA Show, I would really appreciate it if you would take this survey. It's basically, it's really quick where you just kind of mark like what shows you've listened to, what kind of length you like on a podcast, how many episodes of the Athletic NBA show you listen to during the week. And then we ask for just like general comments about your favorite and least favorite things about the show. If you could take that survey, that would mean a lot to me. I'm trying to just gather as much data as possible um, as we move into this next season and try to make... Uh, some changes, and um, make the show better. So help us make the Athletic NBA show better by taking that survey. That would mean a lot to me. So you can find that on my Twitter account. should be like one of like the first uh, three or four tweets on, uh, on my page. So go check that out. And we'll have another podcast for you guys tomorrow. Alex and I will pod after Canada and Slovenia play. And it should be a very interesting Luca versus SGA matchup. Very, very interesting. And I cannot wait to see it. And then we will recap right after that tomorrow. Um, hope you guys have a, a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.